Hi, I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Super excited, first episode of the GAF. We have an unbelievable lineup of speakers in the wealth advisory space, starting with my first guest, the extraordinary Paul Crane. When I'm dealing with successful business owners, a large part of their wealth is trapped inside the business. I need to surround them with the right people. Paul helps businesses grow, develop, exit. It's an unbelievable skill set to have as part of my best of breed team. Welcome to the GAF. For those interested, the GAF stands for Great Advisory Frameworks or Greatest All-Time Failures in Advice. Very excited to have Paul Crane with me here today, business coach extraordinaire to the professions. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Scott. Great to be here. Really looking forward to sharing what we've learned over the years, working with people in all of those areas, lawyers, accountants, financial advisors. So looking forward to it. Thanks, Paul. So I want to start with, with, with the why. What, what's the why for the GAF? Now, I suppose what I see happening out there in the marketplace is all this commoditization occurring, and everyone's very well aware of it. In the legal space, we've got a lot of documentation being produced overseas. We've got price pressure. In accounting, we've got overseas tax returns occurring. In financial services, we have algorithms occurring. We have reducing fees. We have... Monitoring of fees, a very heavy compliance uh, framework. So there's a lot of this commoditization occurring. So what we're about is helping advisors being able to articulate their value propositions and build a business in that high net wealth, successful family market space. And the reason why is that's where it's easy to add value. There's complexity in their affairs. They're typically time poor. They like to outsource their advice. And what we want to do is be able to share with you our learnings over the last 20 years and also hopefully build and help add to your your toolkit. Because it's really quite easy to find one of these clients, but how do you find 50 of these clients? And how do you build a business behind it? And that's why I think it's really important that we've got Paul Crane here who's got a wealth of experience in the business building side. So Paul, maybe if I just hand over to you as a start and go, maybe a little bit of your background and then from a financial advisor and advisory space, where do we start with this? Sure, thanks Scott. Um, Look, a bit of background, I've been business coaching for over 25 years, uh, working really wide uh, cross-section of businesses, but particularly early on, and today I still work with lawyers, accountants, financial advisors. Generally business owners are really good at what they do, Uh, haven't been taught all the aspects of how to run a business and some of that's on the commercial side which is what we're going to be talking about positioning and getting clear on their their value and and how to attract clients Uh, and some of it's around communication uh, internal and externally how to have critical conversations and culture so looking forward to sharing all those learnings Um, before that had a landscaping business in Perth many many years ago so I've run a business and I've worked with lots of really successful businesses and look forward to sharing a lot of the learnings I've had over the years. It's interesting. Some of this stuff is almost what they didn't teach you at university. A lot of it is. I've done an uh, MBA and I can tell you I've learned a lot more 
you know, working with businesses. I learn every day. I, I you know, share my learnings, but uh, yeah, it's great to be able to share that experience. And as we get older, it's I think sometimes we take for granted what we think is just pretty normal because we've been doing it so long. And, and I'm often quite surprised by some of the simple conversations I help very successful business owners and professionals have. Great, because we, we do want to talk about the mistakes along the way. I think there's such value in the oh, things that we've- Where do you want to start? <laughs> the things that we've got wrong. And I, you know, my, I always talk about the uh, instance I had, I had a business restructuring going on and I, I sat down with a law firm in Sydney, you know, a second tier firm to get some restructure work done. And then at the end of the restructure, I said to them, look, guys, I'm totally underwhelmed. And they looked at me with, what do you mean? We did the restructure. I said, for sure, but you didn't get to know me. You didn't ask me about where I'm going to. You didn't ask me about where the business is traveling to. We've got a whole lot of new work coming in. You didn't ask me about my partners, my partnership agreements, my own wills. There was just this, this plethora of work that the uh, lawyers didn't think to ask me about. Now, finally, at the end, they said, well, can we ask you now? And I said, well, it's a little bit late now. And I think this is a really, it's a salient point to be able to sit back contextually and understand where a client's trying to get to. And it's a skill set, I think, that is a miss in the professions. Yeah, look, I, I concur with that. In fact, I look back when I first got into coaching and I think one of the things a lot of people are very good at telling, they're not very good at asking questions. And a key, particularly in sales and, and attracting clients is, is a, a skill which sounds simple, is, is actually listening. And listening, a lot of people think they listen, they hear, they don't listen. And I look back even when I started coaching, I couldn't wait to show people the frameworks I had. I think I used to bring out two or three or sometimes <laughs> 10, just to go, how good are these frameworks? To demonstrate your Oh, God, I'm good. And now I often don't even use a framework. It's all about listening and finding out what the client, where are they, what do they want, and what value can I add. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty common. It's almost starting with a blank sheet of paper with a client. I often say to clients, don't go in with your brochures and all the things you've got. Just go in the blank sheet of paper and find out how you can help them. For me, that's what sales is, finding out what are their needs, how can I help, and if I can't, do I know someone who can? Should be a good experience for you and them. Yeah, I always say, you know, the first meeting's a great screening opportunity for both of us. So whether they want to work with us and we want to work with them. Yeah. And, you know, some of the research that's coming out over the last few years is, you know, for this particular marketplace, the, and, I, and I, we're, I'm quite specific about the marketplace I want to work in, which is in that successful family, successful business space, is what a client's looking for. And, you know, that keeps coming back to, they want advisors, when I say advisors, that's across the industry or across the professions who can help them build a lifetime plan, not a financial plan, a lifetime plan. We'll come back to that. They want advisors who can understand their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. They want advisors independent of bureaucratic dependencies and they want advisors who are fee for service and don't have to sell a product to, to make, a, make a sale and be remunerated. But I think the last one's the most salient of all, which is they want advisors who know how to think about their issues or problems, all of them. Yeah, and I think it's also having someone who can challenge them and have, have the courage to sometimes ask questions that no one else asks them. 
And we'll talk about how to do that. Uh, a lot of this is about how to have critical conversations. And some of the frameworks will, will take you through are going to help you do that in a really, a much easier way that actually people feel like you're helping them, you're not interrogating them. And there's a real fine line there. And uh, so it's, it's a powerful thing to learn. Yeah, I think as advisors, you wear different hats throughout a meeting from being a coach to a mentor to an advisor. Yes, and it's, I love working with advisors who are now moving into that space and they're, they're ringing me just with some different questions they can ask and, and we'll talk about some of the frameworks, but in the, getting their clients out of content into context, which is hugely powerful. Simple, but powerful. And just on that, uh, and I will call you Crony, Paul or Crony or one of those along the way, but Crony, um, we do see the professions get caught in content all the time, don't we? We do, and it's not just advisors. It's, I think most people are caught up in content. And I think it's particularly with all the information and, and social media, it's really easy to get caught up in content. So for me, context, it gives people clarity. When they've got clarity, they then have more confidence to actually make decisions. And uh, it's and a lot of it's listening, and a lot of it's actually sometimes creating space for people to have time to reflect and go, ah, oh, that makes sense. And so it, it's, uh, it's a, a wonderful thing. So we're gonna come back to that framework, but let's, you know, if I'm an advisor out there across one of the professions, I go, look, I really wanna work in this space, but my business doesn't look like that today. Well, what's my start point with all of this? Well, starting point, um, there's a framework we, we talk about called the stages model, which is a really good framework to look at the journey every business every industry uh, every individual including athletes have taken through this and as they go through that journey at different phases at different feelings kick in and feelings affect the way we communicate behave and make decisions so you know when you first start up you're all excited and then after a few days and weeks you realize gee i've got to get some clients and i've got to get pay the bills to get more clients, got to do the work. So often, our business owners will feel quite frantic, and uh, and this your staff will go through this as well. So if you are in frantic, generally you're going to make quite reactive reactive decisions. And uh, what sort of client would you take on? Well, generally anyone. You know, we often joke if they've got a pulse, anyone with a heartbeat. Yeah, if they haven't, you'll give them CPR and probably give them an invoice and hope you get paid. So, so that's the franticness. Uh, the key to get out of frankness is to work out what's the investment I need to make to get to the next phase, which we call good times. Investment's different for every business. So that could be uh, skills. It could be learning to communicate more clearly. It could be getting clear on there, what we call positioning, which we'll touch on next, which is generally the first thing I start with, with a business and startup is positioning. What is your value proposition? Who is your ideal client? Uh, how are you going to service those clients? And then obviously your pricing is that aligned to all of those, all those things we've discussed. It's a really good one to look at your existing business and go, well, how many A-grade clients or clients that I want to work with do I currently have? Yeah, I haven't walked into a business and I've walked into some really, really successful businesses that haven't got a few nuances around their positioning that they go, oh, uh, that, that, that just makes sense. Um, they've got really you know, good clients. Often they're not often clear on how they... I guess even articulate their value proposition. So 
Can you give us an example of positioning, how that works? Yeah, so, so when positioning is all around what you want people saying about you and, and, and it's being consistent. So a, a classic is, is accountants who I've worked with. Um, often they're you know, in a social or it could be a, a networking opportunity or with other businesses and people ask them, what do you do? And so generally your elevator speech. It's your elevator pitch. Often um, we say that, and and often they'll they'll talk about what they do. They go, "Oh, I'm an accountant." He goes, "Oh, right. What do you do? Oh, we do tax, we do structuring, we do a bit of auditing." And generally, not the person's not generally overwhelmed. Go, "Wow, you can really help me." <laughs> well, Knock my socks <laughs> off. Run my socks off. In fact, I had a client that we were actually having a, a potential referral lot conversation with, and we asked him, "So, if I had a client to send you, what would you say? What do you want us to say?" I'm, a, I'm an accountant. Anything else? I do tax, and it was like pulling teeth to get a, a, a bit of a, a compelling story. So, to, to me, a, a big tip is to talk about rather than what you do, what's the value and the outcomes you help clients get or provide. So, an example, just simple one with an accountant is rather than saying I'm an accountant, going I love what I do. I love working with small business owners who we can help have a lot more clarity and understanding around how their financials work. And often help them make better decisions, have more confidence around making decisions that can have an impact on their profitability and grow their business. So more about the outcomes, less yeah. about what you and do. And then people go, what do you do? Oh, look, I'm an accountant by trade, but that's what I do. And you've got someone engaged. So that leads to the second question. How do you do that? Yep. How do you do that? Well, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do is actually ask. I, I generally do it with, a t you know, with your team and go, let's write up. You know, if someone asks you, where do you work? What do you do? How would you describe your product? which is the product is what are people buying from you? Or what are you providing? And often it's quite an eye-opener for the owners to see everyone's got completely different words and understanding around that. Then the next question is, who's our ideal client? And generally people go, oh, I haven't really thought about that. We've got a whole bunch of clients. <laughs> and then how do you service? What's the experience you want your clients to have? And generally, again, you'll get diff different conversations. And then the last one is, so we look at all that and we can go overlay arrows on that up down neutral is how's your pricing and generally it'll be oh that's all over the place we've got premium we've got mid we've got low which is a very hard business to recruit train and, and i've and seen you i've seen you use that example of qantas jetstar and virgin maybe we can't use virgin yeah it's probably not a good one to use in the current circumstances yeah. i often use now uh for instance it could, could be a hotel industry right hotels are a good one so you know, uh, you know, there's premium, there's there's mid price, and there's cheap. So I'll ask, you know, you go to a premium hotel, the Carlton Ritz, you know, two thousand bucks a night. What's your expectation around the product? And most people go, well, it's going to be luxurious and everything that opens and shuts. And go, yeah, and and, and what sort of people you expect at the hotel? Again, oh, I guess you know, more upmarket. Well, yeah, it's not going to be footy players on the year, end of your trip and young kids running around. Um, service, you you know, you probably get a private butler. And what do you expect to pay? We expect to pay premium. We could go mid-price, say a Radisson, something like that, sort of two, three hundred bucks a night, mid-priced. We expect a nice room, but it's not going to have all the luxuries. Um, you can have families. This service, you might wait fifteen minutes. After that, you might get agitated. Although some people do have unrealistic expectations and expect first-class service. <laughs> we know a few people like that. We do. Uh, and and your price is going to be mid. And then I go, has anyone stayed at say Formula One, 60, 70 bucks a night? Often people haven't. I say, come on, get out and come have on. experience. Yeah, live the live your life. Live your life. So what do you expect? Well, you know, generally the room's going to have a bed. The shower works, and you can move around in the shower. You're and very very happy. Normally those things are. 
All in the one one room. All in the one room. If you can get around the bed, you're stoked. That's it. Um, market. We're going to have all sorts. You know, it's going to be kids. It's going to be on a busy road. It's going to be noisy. Service keys under the mat. Let yourself in, and it's cheap. So those businesses are often more profitable than some of the premium businesses because they're aligned. They've got their business model right. There's no right or wrong. You can be profitable in all of those. What I often go into is seeing business trying to be all things to all people. And you look at their, their um, it's the old Pareto principle, but you know, 20, 20% of their clients bring in 80% of their revenue or profit. So it's just getting clear on where, where do we sit and whether we, how do we want to position ourselves out in the market. Great, because that's what we see a lot of out there, don't we? We see a lot of mixed businesses, mixed positioning, no elevator speech, not clear on their value proposition, not clear how they're going to deliver that value. Yeah, and then having then recruiting, it, it impacts everything. So positioning is not just a marketing tool, it actually overlays everything you do in your business. Every decision, context of positioning's focus. So if you're recruiting, you should be looking at positioning. So if your positioning's around friendly, friendly service, and you get you know, someone who's not friendly at the front desk every day, they're harming your positioning. Or if it's uh, premium, super you know, high, uh, high capability, well, you've got to recruit really smart people. Uh, who sound intelligent and, and can articulate well to clients. So it, it impacts on training, recruitment, how your office looks, how your documentation looks, everything is positioning. And uh, it's a great tool for business owners, which we'll get into later, around having critical conversations with staff, with clients. Yeah, you know, I've seen a couple of advisors over the years who want to work in this particular market, but maybe they want to work out of the back of their house. Hmm. Yeah, I remember meeting an advisor many years ago in this area, uh, wanted to work in the high-end net wealth, and you know, had this really tiny little office at the back of a shopping centre, you know, Chinese restaurant with the kitchen right near where you came in. Easy access to food? Oh, I'll go, yeah, well, possibly, but I'm yeah. going with well, someone with, you know, high net worth person would not even walk into the office. Um, so it's, it's just matching and making sure everything's consistent. So... If you want to look professional, you don't rock up with a Mickey Mouse tie. It doesn't kind of help with your credibility, does it? Absolutely. Although you've got a few of those, no. you get away <laughs> with it. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, Paul, over the series, so this, we, you know, we want to walk through some critical frameworks here, don't we? And I think you're saying, let's, let's have a, some reflection on how, what market we want to work in, yep. and then let's look at our current positioning and look at our future positioning. Yes, and, and we look forward to sharing some frameworks over these podcasts to help with some of these critical conversations around getting your positioning right, uh, attracting the right clients, and, and having critical conversations with some of your clients, staff, uh, even your, your uh, best of breed, or we call your, your referral um, partners that uh, you may be referring clients to, or you may be getting referrals from, or you may be just you know, having in your network. So, Because one, one of the things we see that there's different skill sets required to build a business. We can always look after one or two of these, but if we want to look after 20, 30, 40, 50 clients and build a business from this, we really need different skill sets within the business. Very yes. hard to be a one-man band nowadays. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, again, good business owners understand their strengths. Uh, they usually have so high self-awareness, so which is, means they're coachable, hopefully, uh, which then means they know what their strengths are and and where they need help with. So you know, sometimes the business owner is not the best person to be out there building referral networks because they actually don't like doing it. 
So it might be one of the younger people in their business who's really good at communicating and, 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 and so connecting with people. So getting functionality right within the business is critical. Yeah, functionality is critical, um, which the framework will take the, the listeners through down the track, red, blue, black, very simple framework. But it's, uh, it's again, it, it links to positioning and uh, it links to where you spend your time and it also links to uh, capability across your business. Great. I'm looking forward to that, Paul. Oh, look, so I've much seen to you share. in action over many, many years. Now, what I want to finish with, though, is what you know. You've been really successful in your business, and you've seen some, you know, very successful businesses. What's if you, I could ask you to just pick out one? Of, what would be one of the daily habits that you see? Yeah, da- yourself or da- was, daily habits for successful business. Are people are really clear on language and clear on. They're clear on their, what their business does, why they do it. Um, it's a bit of a buzzword now, but they're clear on purpose. Uh, and they're also clear on, on what I call mindset and culture, which is um, that creative culture. So if I look at a business I've, I've been working with probably a couple of years, um, and the owner is, yeah, I, you know, to me, leadership's about inspiring. There's a lot of people who manage. So management's about implementing, which is great. And it's important, you need both. But if you just manage and not inspire, uh, it's it's you know, you're probably going to have people jumping out of bed going, can't wait to come to work. And uh, even through COVID, they haven't lost any staff. They're in the construction industry, and uh, you know I called in there two weeks ago, and uh, you know they've, they've got just a a really good business. You can feel it when you walk in. You know staff are they say hello, they they're present, they want to be there, and uh, and that starts with the leader who's. What I call is is that inspirational leader, not up making rah-rah speeches, but he, he generally the staff know he cares about them. He doesn't need to work. Um, he he just loves what he does. He loves um, living life on purpose, which is I know what a lot of the advisors and yeah right. So get very clear do. on your purpose. And we do want to finish with a life lesson. A life lesson, yes. What's a life lesson you've learnt? Oh, look, a life lesson for me would be uh, actually being able to articulate my value with confidence. And, uh, and, and you know, I teach a lot of people this, and it's a learning for me around the, the whole thing around value. So I used to equate time, um, and I used to equate myself. Um, I think what I see is the biggest challenge is if one of, people want to work in that high net, high successful business family kind of space uh, you've got to believe in yourself so you've got to be aligned to value so it's not an ego thing it's a confidence thing to mm-hmm. go i can walk in and, and i call it playing equal status so how, so how do you get to believe in yourself uh look there's lots and lots of ways i know brian uh, fitz who's another great uh, coach um, helps a lot of people in this but at the end of the day belief um it it, it comes from uh experience uh, it comes from your mindset. Uh, it comes from having good people around you that can challenge, um, and and sometimes have, they have more belief in you than you have in yourself. Mm, absolutely. And uh, it's sometimes it's, it's you learn from your failings. Um, so that equal status, which we'll talk about later on too, is is walking into a client as you said. It's not only do they want to work with you, it's also do I want to work with them. Screening for suitability. Yes. So thank you very much, Paul Crane. Looking forward to your wisdoms. Over Looking the next forward to it. It's going to be fun. 
Got a lot of wisdom, a lot of lessons, a lot of gaffes. <laughs> Welcome to the gaff. Oh, what a great ending. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gaff Podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.